What what's her name? It's Latoya. What's up, y'all? It's another episode of Analog Girl Podcast. How y'all doing? This is your podcast for your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings, and we're on a quest, y'all. We're on a quest to get our analog lives in this digital-driven world. I hope everyone is doing well today. It is, what's today's date? It is March 27th. Ow! We made it to another week. I hope that you guys have made uh, some progress on your goals. You're feeling good. Uh, You woke up this morning feeling all yummy. I kind of felt yummy this morning. So, I mean, I think you could hear it in 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 my voice, a little chipper. Anywho, I hope everyone's doing well. So, you know, I always like to tell y'all what to do in the beginning. I always like to get this out of the way. Have y'all subscribed to the podcast yet? Have you? Uh, To my new listeners, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm so glad that you're listening to me and you're following me on my journey as I try to clean up my little dirty brain. I'm just cleaning up my uh, mental space energy and I'm sharing all of my experiences with you guys. So thank you so much for listening. If this is your first episode, when you're done with this one and only when you're done, you should go back and listen to the other ones. I have some cute little... um, cute little things I'm talking about. Keep in mind, I'm a work in progress. So the first couple of episodes rough. Um, now they're still a little, they're a little better, but they're still a little rough, but you know, it's a pro- I'm, pro- I'm in progress. I'm a work in progress. Um, so thank you again for that. Um, to the old listeners, y'all keeping, y'all holding your girl down. All right. Oh, my, my, my analog, my analog daddies and my analog mommies out there. Thank you so much. I'm just so happy to see that folks is listening. You know what I'm saying? I just, Super, super happy that there is a community out there. People are reaching out and chit-chatting and talking to me, you guys. Um, and and I know a lot of you guys are going through a lot of stuff. And I'm trying my best to be able to answer your questions. Um, and I just keep in mind that I still be going through my own stuff. So I don't really have all the questions for you. I can only tell you what works for me. Um, so please keep that in mind when you guys are reaching out to me. Um, but I'm very empathetic to what you guys are going through because I have been there, especially my brothers and sisters struggling with uh, depersonalization. I know it's rough. I know it's weird and I know it's crazy, but please know that I try my best to help y'all the best way that I can. Now, if you have not subscribed Please, I need your help because this helps me help you. This helps me to, you know, build the podcast and be able to get more guests on the show um, and be able to, you know, just have a more quality show for you guys. Please go out there, subscribe, rate, uh, leave a comment. A nice couple of words would be nice too. Um, if you can, you know, if you can, you know, I'm not holding your hands to the flame, but if you can, please go out there. Um, and show your girl some love. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google Play. I'm on iTunes for sure. Subscribe, subscribe on iTunes for sure. Leave comments, rate. Um, and I am on SoundCloud and I'm on TuneIn. Um, also, uh, always remember you can go to my website to catch updated um, episodes. I haven't updated the last two weeks. Shame on me. It's trash, but I'm going to update this week. Um, and when you go to the website, you could also sign up for my email list there because listen, merch is coming, it's coming, it's coming. The merch is coming soon. Um, and I want y'all to be in a know uh, for when those t-shirts are getting ready to rock. Uh, so the website is theanaloggirl.com. That's, again, that's theanaloggirl.com. 
So anybody want to get in touch with me? Anybody want to talk to me after this episode? Because this is a very interesting, very um, informative episode. And if anybody wants to get in touch with me, and I'm sure there will be, um, my email is info, I-N-F-O at analoggirlpodcast.com. Again, that's info at analoggirlpodcast.com. All right. So let's just get into the check it out. All right, y'all. I hope your anxiety levels are low to non-existent. And if they aren't, you know, we always do our quick breathing exercise. Let's do it right now. In through the nose. Hold it on the four count. Breathe out through the mouth. All that anxiety and that energy, that negative energy, breathe that out. Breathe one more time in through the nose. Hold it. Breathe out through the mouth. One more quick breath. Breathe deep in through the nose. Hold it. And push out all that negative energy. One more time out through the mouth. Mm, Don't it feel good? It always makes me feel good. All right. Time to check in. Check in with my anxiety. See how that's going this week. It's been, it's another interesting week, y'all. It's another interesting week. I am getting back in the gym. I am getting back in the gym. I fell off completely and it is okay to fall off. Okay, guys, don't feel bad about falling off, especially um, those who decided to start going to the gym because you know, of the, because of your anxiety, it's okay to fall off. It's going to happen because we weren't normally going to the gym consecutively, um, before post, oh no, pre anxiety. We weren't going to the gym like that. So it is okay to fall off here and there. So I first had to start telling myself, cause I, you know, I was feeling bad that I even fell off. <clears throat> I first had to tell myself it's a okay to fall off girl. It is okay to fall off. Just get back on get back on. So I did decide to go back into the gym. I was working out. Here's the thing. And I have this weird thing. And if anybody who is listening has this thing happen to them, leave a comment or something. If you listen on the SoundCloud, please, because I need to know am I the only person. I have this thing, like if I haven't worked out for a while and then I go work out, um, I'll be running, right? And then this intense feeling starts to happen and it starts in my ankles. And it kind of feels like it's itching, an itching feeling, but it's not my skin. It's on the inside. And and I know it sounds weird. Like I always have all this weird stuff going on with me. So it starts the itching down there and then it kind of like moves slowly up my legs. And then uh, I start to feel it in my chest. And it's um, it's, it's such an overwhelming feeling that my whole body's itching. My whole body feels like it's like, uh, it's like my body wants to just, I have to stop and I have to like stop and rub my legs really quickly and stop and run and scratch them. Or I'm constantly scratching my back and my stomach. And it always happens like when I'm like really, really out of shape and I'm just starting back with working out. Because when I was, when I got back in the gym last summer, um, I was taking classes. I don't, and, and that could be because my anxiety was so high that I wasn't feeling anything. Um, but now that I'm coming down, I guess now that my anxiety levels are low, a bit low, um, I'm now feeling everything again. So, um, but I 
my legs started itching again yesterday. So I was, I got a little discouraged with that because it makes me not want to go. So now I got to figure out what I should do. I think I'm going to stay off the treadmill and maybe get on the elliptical or do the bike for my, my, my warm up. Um, but if anybody is going to go through that, please let me know. I want to know what you do. How did you, how did you stop it? Or did it ever stop? Because like the whole itchy legs, whole body start itching when you start running is this is trash. This is trash. So anyway, please, somebody let me know. Let me know if y'all go through that. Um, so yeah, I'm on this whole, let me get back in the gym. Cause I need, I need some endorphins. I need to get these endorphins going. And the reason being is because I was rejected again, y'all this week. Ugh. Rejection is one hell of a thing. Um, so I, I don't think that, um, I'm still not handling rejection well. I'm still not handling rejection well. So, um, and you know, guys, this all stems back from, this stems back to, for me, um, with issues with my dad. Um, so, you know, the feeling of rejection immediately takes me back to, um, feeling like a child, feeling like a failure, feeling like I'm just not good enough. I'll never be good enough. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm handling rejection well yet. Like I'm still not handling it well. Like I went into panic mode and I had I had a little mini panic attack. Uh but the great thing about the great thing about the panic attack was that I learned something about myself is that I really have learned how to um cope and get myself through a panic attack and get myself through a panic attack quickly. So I'm very proud of myself for that. Um, I don't feed into the feeling of the panic attack anymore. I can feel it when it's coming. I can feel my heart racing. Um, it's just any kind of normal thing. I just, I have trained my brain, uh, to be like, okay, yeah, you're not in any danger. You're not in any danger. You need to, you know, like start doing some deep breathing, um, and drink some water. And then I distract myself. And so this time I distracted myself with a quick, quiet little meditation, um, that I learned with TM, the transcendental meditation. So I did that and I was, I got through it quickly within like 10, 15 minutes. And then I was on to, I came out of it and I was, I was able to go on with the rest of my day. So, uh, with all that being said, <laughs> um, I realized, yeah, girl, you need to get in the gym. Like, cause I, I do honestly feel like I, I felt a difference when I was in the gym as far as releasing um, endorphins um, and lowering my cortisol and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like I definitely felt a difference. So I'm going to get back in this gym. I'm going to get this euphoric feeling again. And, um, you know, I just really need to, you know, so I don't have to focus on the rejection. Because of course, when you're job searching, um, and you're out here putting yourself out here. I'm out here pitching shows. I'm out here job searching. Um, th- it's going to be rejection. Like, <laughs> you know, I just, and then I, what I do is I started reading other people's stories of like how many times they were rejected. And I'm seeing, you know, like, I think, was it Amazon guy or somebody was rejected like 242 times before they picked up the idea. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm at like 10. So <laughs> how much further do I have to go kind of thing? But it's just good for me to read other people's stories about them being rejected, but also being successful at the same damn time. So yeah, so that's really how I've been handling my rejection. It still hurts like fuck though, because you know, this time it was kind of like a, 
blind side for me. Like I feel like um I'm I'm being told, you know, you gotta stay positive, you gotta stay in the zone, um, be faithful, blah, 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 you know, visualize. I did all of that. You know what I'm saying? Like I was staying faithful, I was visualizing, I was uh speaking positive, I was speaking it into existence, I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I really believe that I was doing everything I was supposed to do. I was, I was, I was um not trying to speak. I wasn't speaking negative about it. I was saying when I got the job and when I da 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 da. And then um, and it was ultimately looking like I was getting the position. Like it was very, very close. And then certain things happened um that shifted in a matter of literally one day, uh, and they weren't able to offer me the job. Um, and they wanted to offer me the job, but they weren't able to. So snatched that right of my, right out of the grips of my hands. And, um, it was just hard for me to be like, well, what am I doing all this positive thinking for and blah, blah. Like that's where I was going with it. But, you know, in talking to my friends, um, I was able to talk to, to Kia and then also one of my close friends, Milton Van, he is, um, also a pastor. So he gives me that balance. Like, I can talk ratchet with him, but then he, you know, shoots it back to me with a with the with some Bible scriptures, and he just shoots it back to me as a pastor, and and as a friend at the same time, and so I was able to talk to both of them, and that just put me back into a space of you can't you can't give up, you cannot give up. So I am not giving up. I am back out here in this job market searching uh, for the right position. Um, and I am still back out here, uh, and I'm going to be pitching my shows and somebody is going to pick up the show. I'm just believing that. All right. Uh, let's first start trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning. Let me start with the trigger warning. Um, that sounds crazy, don't it? Like, I don't know. I'm just, I woke up very, um, I woke up very quirky. I had weird dreams and I just woke up really quirky today. But anyway, guys, this is a trigger warning for all my folks out there who are suffering with depersonalization and derealization. DPDR, this is what we're going to be calling the DPDR. If you hear that, that means depersonalization or it means derealization. Um, this episode is specifically for y'all, but I want to, to uh, let you know that we, me and my guest, Sean O'Connor, we talk about our experiences. We talk about uh, things that we felt um, and, and, and what we were thinking. Um, it could be a trigger for you. If you cannot listen to other people's stories, if you feel like you can't listen to um, what people are going through as far as DPDR, uh, feel free to fast forward. I'm going to try to put timestamps in because I really want you guys to listen to the part where we start to talk about how we cured ourselves. I cured my, well, Sean cured himself um, using a lot of different coping mechanisms. He ultimately wrote a book about it. Um, he wrote, he has a whole DP manual that he was selling. I found him by the grace of God. I found Sean um, online. I bought the manual and I'm going to tell y'all, it took me two months to really get back on track. Um, I, I wouldn't say I was 100% by two months, but uh, your girl was there. You know, I was in the gym um, working out hardcore. I was able to get back on the plane and go travel to New Orleans. I was doing all kind of stuff. And um, it took me two months to come out of that doom that I was in where I just literally thought my brain was being snatched out of my head. So, um, Sean 
has been so, so nice. He's been so cool about coming on my show to talk to you guys about his experience and how we can, um, some pointers on how we can cure ourselves and some information about his book. It's really dope. We get into a very deep conversation about what it is, but it's also very light and very fun. Okay. This is nothing. There's nothing dark about this conversation whatsoever, guys. Um, And I just, you know, I'm just telling you this and I'm breaking it down like this because I know how sensitive you, I know how sensitive it is and I know what it's like to be in the throes of DPDR and just every little fucking thing scares you, everything. So I just want to make y'all aware that this conversation is very light. Um, We do express our, we do talk about our, our experiences, but it's, it's, you know, I think it's beneficial for people who are looking to come out of this. And it doesn't matter how long you've been suffering with this either. You can be suffering it for within a week, a month, or 10 years. Doesn't matter, guys. It all pertains to you. So a little bit about Sean O'Connor. He not only created this book, The DP Manual, he is an Irish um, film and TV director. Um, really cute, I might add. Like a real cute, like authentic Irish accent. Really nice guy. I was really like, ooh, okay, Sean. Okay. He's an analog daddy now. But anyway, so Sean, um, he's really nice, very informative, very smart guy. When I was talking to him, I just feel like he's, I just got this aura, just very smart. And he just knows what the fuck he's talking about, guys. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't steer y'all wrong because that DP, that DP manual got my whole life together in, in one set. And I read that book in like two hours and I was good money. So Sean is just a really great guy. He is straight out of Ireland. I don't know what town. I never asked. That's a shame. Um, but um, he definitely, oh, it's Cork, Cork Island, Cork, Ireland wherever that is. Not sure. I need to go visit, but he's from Cork, Ireland. And we had this great conversation. So I think it's just time to get on into the show. All right. Enough babbling. That's it. I'm not going to talk no more. All right. I'm out. Toya D who was living a life of complete and utter trash y'all spending money frivolously on clothes, food, and bottles of wine that could be finished in one setting alone. Ghosting Sally Mae and never paying a bill y'all going back and forth in relationships that were called situationships. A what? Going from one dead end job to another struggling with racial and social anxieties in the workplace. Nature finally took its course. On March 1st, Toya D woke up in an apparent dream world to which she calls the urban matrix and was left to figure out the true meaning of life and human existence. Join the journey on the quest to live fabulously, shamelessly, bold, and fearless and confident with mental health in the anxiety zone. Directing a stage play here in Cork in the south of Ireland. I'm going to be directing a new short film next month. So I'm busy with that and I'm just doing work on the book all the time and talking to people and updating it and writing articles. And yeah, what's yeah. happening in your world? You're, the, the, the website and stuff is great. The podcast is Thank fantastic. you. Thank you. Um, well, I mean, I'm still like, because um, the whole, my whole DP thing started last year, March 1st. So I'm like just now coming out of a cloud. I, I created the podcast to kind of like get me out of it. That's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was like something to kind of like, I don't know. I, I can't even like even trying to remember back to where my headspace was is a little off. But mm. I, um, yeah, so I'm just now like kind of coming out of the cloud. I lost my job due to DP. So yeah, so like now I'm like reintegrating and like job searching. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. That is, 
That's great. That's yeah. great. But do, and do you but do, do you feel like you you are making progress in terms of like anxiety and all the rest of it? I think so. I definitely think so. Um, like this morning, I'm I woke up, but I think it. You know what it is? I think I just attributed to like me just being very stressed about what's going to happen with me financially. Right. So so I can tell now how my body reacts to the stress because obviously like the DP leaves with the it kind of doesn't leave. I don't know. It's like really weird to say. I don't know. I'm sure you know. But you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, when you're yeah. like really, really stressed or you're like high anxiety, you can definitely kind of sense it kind of creep back up. When I sense that, I'm like, oh, hell no. Let me go ahead and get some lavender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, absolutely not. I will not go through this shit again, like ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I, 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 did, I did the same thing. I, I remember being like super, super strict with myself, especially when I was when I was really starting to recover, I would have like days where I, I would be like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling okay. Like maybe I'll just like take a look at, I'll take a look at some anxiety websites just to see if there's any news or whatever. And I have to stop myself and be like, no, Sean, mm-hmm. this is why it was persisting. You have mm-hmm. to go and you have to go to the cinema. You have to call your friend, you have to <laughs> yeah. the podcast, you have to do something like, you know, yeah. um, but you have to, you have to be strict about it. You, I mean, you know, you have to be strict about it. Yeah. You do, you do. And it's interesting, like when you're saying that, because so many people are reaching out to me and that's why I was like, I'm going to reach out to Sean because I can't answer these questions and I'm still like I'm, I feel like you're light years ahead of me as far as recovery. So like me trying to answer their questions is like kind of triggering me too at some points. And I'm yeah, like, listen, sure. I can't keep going back and forth with y'all. Like, cause you know, I'm sure you know, like when people ask you questions and you answer them, you're like, so, you know, does your home look unfamiliar to you? So I'm like, yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, right. But did you really, really feel And I'm like, sis, <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> I felt the same thing. I don't know what else to tell you. It's the craziest thing. But I understand because I was there. You know what I mean? Where I was yeah. like, no, but what I'm trying to say, I don't I don't know if this is the same exact thing that we're both explaining. Because you're trying to, you know, pinpoint exactly what this weird thing is. So mm. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well it's it's a it's certainly a very it's a, a thoroughly bizarre experience, but but what what I've found since writing the book i mean i've been like it's been 10 years since i wrote since i recovered and wrote the book is that like the consistency in the symptoms that the people i speak to have is on like you wouldn't believe it i mean it's just the same even even though they, they feel very bizarre and they're hard to describe but once you start describing them i'm like i'm like okay this is a classic symptom this is a classic symptom mm-hmm. and uh it's the the symptoms are like at, at this stage it's like someone describing like a flu or something or, or cold. It's just like, okay, I sneeze, I have headaches, my nose run. It's, it's, it's like that. It's like people say I have these existential thoughts. Uh, I feel like my hands are my own or my, my limbs, you know, but you go through them one by one and you just kind of realize that if this were more widely known and if doctors were able to recognize it when you walked in and, and spoke to them, if a doctor straight away said, that's called depersonalization, it's not permanent. Um, people get it all the time. Just that alone would make your recovery so much faster, you know? Yeah, and I'm always wondering why um, there is not so much information about it out there and more so in the United States. I find that it's like UK and abroad where I find a lot of people dealing with it. But here in the in the United States, not so much. Like, it's really hard to find. Um, I mean, there's forums, but those forums, man just send you to drive, jump off a ledge. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just so interesting that it, um, there's really not a lot of information out there as far as depersonalization 
Um, because there's so many people that come out to me like, yo, I've been experiencing this and I had no clue it was, but I just wouldn't say anything. And one of my yeah. best friends was like, oh, girl, she was like, I went through this, I went through all of that all last year. She was like, I'm just coming out of it. I'm like, so you didn't say anything? I was like, girl, I was getting CAT scans every day. <laughs> yeah. I was not playing. That, yeah. So it's just crazy that there's so many people that are suffering silence and don't speak up about it because they have no idea what's going on. And then there's nothing out there for us, really. Yeah, this is the, this is the, the this is the thing. Like, it's like I mean, I I always think of the example that like, if you went into a doctor and you said, uh, I've suddenly had these feelings of like I I I can't go into a small room, so I can't get into like an elevator, or I can't I if I have a small bedroom or something, I feel very kind of I just get panicky or something, right? And the doctor says, okay, well that's called claustrophobia. Um, it's, te- it's very common. It's temporary. Here's some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. Here's some exposure therapy technique- techniques. Here's some pamphlets. Here's some literature. Off you go. You'll be fine. We'll talk in a month's time. And you would, even that alone would just make you go, okay, that's fine. But what the vast majority of people's experiences is they walk into their doctor. They exp- this is what happened to me as well. And you explain your symptoms and the doctor looks at you and goes, I don't really know what you're talking about. And that's terrifying. And, that's, and that sends people off on horrible anxiety spirals because they think, well, I, I must be going crazy. Yeah. Um, when the opposite is the case, it's extremely common, but it's because it's, it's so difficult to verbalize and often gets lumped into with just general anxiety. And, mm-hmm. and doctors often just say, uh, here, just take some antidepressants and exercise a bit more. And, and people need more than that, you know? Yeah. 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 So what is it? What is DPDR? Because I personally can't explain. The only way I can explain mm-hmm. this girl, I just feel like when every time my girlfriend was asking me, I was like, listen, I just feel like I'm in a dream. That's the only way I could explain that. I'm like, I feel like I'm in a real life matrix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's kind of a, kind of a big question, but, um, I'll try to try to cover it as, um, as succinctly as possible. So basically, when you, when your body and your brain um, experience anxiety or stress or tra- intense stress or trauma, mm-hmm. um, it produces a couple of different effects, right? So some of the physical effects, for example, when you go through a very stressful situation or traumatic situation would be, let's say, you know, like your palms would be sweating, your, your muscles would tense up, you'd have heart palpitations, um, you might be sweating a bit more, like th- these kind of things, things we, we know about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there are mental effects as well, right? And this is like scientifically and anecdotally like completely known and recognized. There are mental effects to, to, to anxiety and stress as well. Um, one of those effects would be like racing thoughts, for example. So mm-hmm. you're, you know, you kind of, the, your, your thoughts are kind of like, in the same way that like, let's say you're getting chased through uh, the, the forest by a bear or something, mm-hmm. your thoughts would be racing and you would be thinking, should I, you know, climb up that tree? Should I jump into the river? Should I, you know, what should I do? Right. But one of the other mental effects of it is that there is this thing called depersonalization, right? And it's your, it's like your brain's defense mechanism against what it perceives to be a traumatic situation. So if there was a bear chasing you, it kind of goes into this mode of like, it's ostensibly what it is. It's, it's trying to prevent you from like shutting down completely and kind of just like, you know, rolling up into a ball and like waiting to for the bear to eat you or whatever right right Right. so you kind of feel like there's a distance between you and the situation right so it's it's almost as if your brain says 
okay, this is a bit much, so I'm going to take a step back until this is over, okay? Mm -hmm. So um, that manifests as a feeling of being kind of separate from your body and from your, and from your surroundings. Now, it can also happen as a result of like sleep deprivation. People sometimes get it from like, um, like brain injuries and things like that. But for the most part, it happens to people as a result of stress, trauma, and anxiety. And also for, for, the, for the most part, for most people, it passes once the, the threat is, is passed. So this is like, so let's say someone gets into a car crash or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they will very, very often report just, you know, I just kind of, I don't quite remember what happened, but I just feel like I just stepped out of the car and walked out and I was, I was okay. And, um, or people walking out of a burning building sometimes without even any recollection of, 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 of it happening, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, once the, once you're out of the danger or what your brain perceives to be danger, um, it, the anxiety uh, turns down and the uh, the feelings of depersonalization terms turn down in the same way that the heart palpitations stop, the sweating stops, all the, the all the fight or flight responses from your body and your brain stop, right? Which is what yeah. they should normally do. Right. So this and uh, the national is it the National Association for Mental uh, uh, Mental Health. Um, they have said that um, like over fifty percent of every adult in the U.S. will experience depersonalization or derealization at some point in their life, um, sim- simply because most people will experience a traumatic event or a very stressful event at some point in their life. It's just that's just it's just what happens, right? Right. So would that be like a like a short term thing, or is it more of like the chronic? Short term. Um, short term. Yeah. So the so the majority of people will experience this short term which is typically for a couple of minutes, a couple of hours, sometimes even a couple of days at a, at a time um, uh, as a result of something it could be, you know, grief, violence, um, right. a, a natural disaster or something. Right. Right. So this is, it's a, it's a perfectly natural response for the, uh, of the brain to stress, anxiety, and in particular trauma. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, how depersonalization disorder comes about is when typically is when there isn't uh, an obvious source of danger that causes the feeling. So this mm-hmm. is why it happens so frequently with people uh, from panic attacks mm-hmm. or as is becoming very, very common from, uh, from drugs, from smoking weed in, from, in particular. Mm-hmm. So for example, someone will um, have like a, a, a really, really strong, intense panic attack and, uh, and I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever had one of the time, I've but it's like, one. Right, mm-hmm. right. So they're they're horrible, mm-hmm. and you and, and you think like I mean, I my thing was like if I got a panic attack, I was like sure I was going to go insane yeah. or if I was going to die or whatever. Yeah. And in that time, that like five or ten, maybe fifteen minutes or whatever, that you have a panic attack, you are convinced that you're going to die, or mm-hmm. you or you think, okay, well, this is me. I'm going crazy. I'm going to spend the rest of my life in a in a mental hospital because yeah. I because normal people don't think like this, right? Yeah. For that 15 minutes or however long it is, that's an intensely stressful and hor- it's a horrifying situation. It, you know, mm-hmm. it really is. Um, but there is nothing specific or tangible in your environment that is causing that to happen, right? So your brain um, can't pin these intense feelings of anxiety on anything. So naturally, what, what happens is 
um, uh, the fiends of depersonalization arise to, mm-hmm. to protect to protect you from the situation. But there's no bear chasing you. There's no, you're not being mugged. There's no car crash. There's no that the house isn't on fire. There's nothing that you can attribute this to, right? Yeah. So your brain, in order to make sense of what's happening, assumes that it's that that the feelings of depersonalization are a separate issue that they're a separate problem that they're not caused by anxiety that they are the 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 feelings of like this is what happens when someone goes insane right yeah or this is what happens when someone dies or goes to goes to heaven or hell or whatever right they Mm -hmm. tries to make sense of it okay and what happens is that unlike in a normal situation where the 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 whatever's causing the danger finishes or fades away um the feelings of depersonalization are focused on as something that are set dangerous separately from the feelings of anxiety. So what happens is the feelings of anxiety come up as a result of a panic attack or like a bad experience on drugs or whatever that they cause depersonalization to arise, to, to protect you from what's happening. Mm -hmm. But you assume the feelings of depersonalization are are a source of danger. Mm -hmm. So they cause more anxiety, which causes more depersonalization, which causes Mm -hmm. more anxiety which causes more depression, and this co- right. and this turns into like a, a, a vicious cycle that lasts, yeah. that can last like minutes, hours, days. I mean, I remember when I had the first panic attack. Um, I just got up, I went to bed, and I was like, okay, this is, I'll, whatever this is, I'll be fine. And then I went to sleep, and I got up in the the, the next morning, and I, and it was still there. Yeah, and I just. And it just kind of kept going and going and going. And this, but this is what happens to people. The anxiety and DP turn into this vicious cycle that continue, but they only continue as long as the anxiety that's causing it um, is allowed to persist. Right. So um, with emphasis on the drug use, because for myself, I believe, I'm not sure if it was drug use for me because I did smoke weed and had, I had a panic attack, but that was like in January. But then I, I've, I, um, like throughout the, that was the end of January and then throughout February, I was having like little, little mini panic attacks from what I'm realizing, but I never smoked weed again. Okay. So I'm guessing, would that still be drug induced? Because that's a lot of the questions that I get from people like, but I smoked weed like only a couple months ago and you know, like, I don't understand why this is happening. So it's kind of confusing for some. Yeah, so that that actually I thought is is also very very common. So that that actually is what happened to me as well. So okay. I went to I would uh, so prior to me having the, the the big panic attack that that mm-hmm. caused me to to, to trigger the, the the DP, um, a few weeks earlier, um, I had actually gone to Amsterdam with some friends, and uh, the day I got there, I smoked uh, what I later found out was an incredibly strong joint and yeah. I didn't I, did, I did no idea how strong it was and uh I left the planet for about two hours and I was I had no idea where I was I didn't I didn't know who I was I was absolutely petrified um I I was in a foreign city I was it was a friend there but I I couldn't I couldn't even recognize who he was at the time either but it was absolutely hor- horrifying but once I got out of it which was like you know two hours later or something I felt like I was fine. I felt like I was, I was absolutely terrified. And I, and I didn't touch another yeah. tweet and I touched another joint the time I was there. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I know that like what happened, the panic attack that happened like three weeks later or a month later or whatever it was, 
was definitely to do with that because there were the same feelings there were it was the same kind of like feeling of like loss of control of yeah. like I was losing my mind but what I have found in the meantime in speaking to like thousands of people over the years who have, have developed DP through different um, uh, because of different causes what happens very, very often is someone will initially have a, a, a terrible experience on something like weed or um, sometimes with acid, le- very, and then less often with like something like MDMA or whatever. But mm-hmm. they will have a very, very bad experience on weed, and they will then a couple of weeks later or a couple of days later, then they'll have a big, big panic attack that sets off the DP. And it's mm-hmm. because, and, and and I think part of the reason for that is. If you do have a, an absolutely horrifying experience on weed, even and it's like it is horrifying, mm-hmm. but um, uh, once you're out of it, you can at least say, "Well, I just had a bad experience on weed." Yeah. But but if it's weeks later and you're like sitting watching television or you're just like hanging out with a friend and you have a massive panic attack, there's no explanation for it. So you can't. So then you just think, "Okay, I haven't taken anything. I'm not right. high." Right. But I feel like I'm in a dream now, so I must be losing my mind, and the anxiety causes DP, and the and the vicious cycle begins. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So that that definitely, I mean, that kind of relieves me. I, and it's so funny because the guy, like one of the therapists I went to at the time, he was like, "Yeah, it's the weed," and I was like, "It's not the weed. <laughs> smoked the weed in January. Yeah, it's yeah. not March." Like. I was, <laughs> I was like so angry that he kept telling me that but because I actually had a bad experience with weed um when I was like 15 and I was in the streets bugging out out like I was yeah I was bugging out like I thought it was done I had told my friend call my mom this is a big one it's a wrap and (laughs) oh no did you call your mom she did they came they rushed me me to the hospital like it was oh oh my god I was bugging out so um you know, but I remember when I was like, now when I think back about it, I was thinking, I was thinking the other day and I was like, yeah, I think I definitely went into some sort of DP mode, DP mode um, then. Yeah. But like, I came right out of it, you know, like the next day I remember feeling really weird and like I was hearing, like my, 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 my hearing was a little off and it was just weird. Yeah. But I came right out of it and went on with life and yeah. never touched weed again. But then in my adult life in college, whatever, I tried it again. And then here we go. So and in, in college, I didn't do it again. I had an experience in college and I was like, OK, this is not for me. And then my dumb ass going to go try to do it again last year. But because I just see people like so calm and relaxed and, you know, relieving pain. Yeah. So I tried it again. So it's definitely relieving to uh, know that. um yeah, it's the weed sometimes for a lot of us. I feel like it's a lot of us is the weed, but then there's some people who are prone to panic attacks and other things that yeah. they're really stressed because they didn't smoke weed. Yes. And it's yeah. like, how? But is it normally only just panic attacks that kind of send us into this? Like, Well, so so in, 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 in the strictest sense, it's not the deep, it's, sorry, it's not the weed that causes the DP. It's, but it's right. the it's the panic and the trauma of being like of being terrified for like you know half an hour or an hour a- after smoking something that's that's way too strong that's mm-hmm. what causes it so it's not the weed that that does it but it's it, uh, the circumstances of smoking weed um i mean 
I would say that the the vast majority of of uh, of people I speak, especially younger people who I speak to these days, the vast vast majority of them um, have gotten DP from uh, from smoking weed. Yeah, I'm finding that too. Yeah, yeah, right, right, and and the thing <clears throat> the thing is that like, so I've 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 a Facebook page for the for the book, right, and um uh, a lot of the comments I get on it are. Um, because it's a, it's a, it's, you know, the, it's not quite like a public forum, but it, it is, people can access it, but it's mm-hmm. a lot of the comments I get are people saying, you know, uh, um, uh, oh, you're, you're just hating on weed and you're, you're trying, you're trying to get it made uh, illegal again. And I try to respond to the, to these people and say, look, I, I've, I mean, I have nothing against weed whatsoever. I mean, I think people, if people wanted to take something, they should be able to take yeah. it. But as with any psychoactive substance, there are benefits and there are risks. Like, and 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 th- this is one of the one of the risks. And I I do think that um, like for younger people who who get this from uh, uh from from smoking weed, that there's uh like that in addition to like like th- they may not want to go to a doctor and say okay I smoked weed and I had a panic attack or something happened and now I feel like I'm losing my mind because that's mm-hmm. a scary conversation to have mm-hmm. but also they're in a social situation um in which they're they are under pressure to not criticize weed you know um mm-hmm. or they or they might be seen as you know because it like because I, I've had people say well, look it's 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 perfect it's a uh it's a it grows na- it grows naturally um it's good for people's health it's good for people's um you know it, it's good for for pain it's good for people suffering from cancer and this and it it is it is all those things but there are also risks associated with it and these are well documented and i just i sometimes kind of um worry about like younger people who i speak to who there's like a, both a medical and a social pressure on them yeah. to not talk about having a bad experience from weed you know even though it happens all the time yeah yeah um there was a question that i that i got also um someone asked can you get it from alcohol Mm. um bringing being too intoxicated have you heard anything from that uh so i don't in my experience um people don't get it from drinking too much from being drunk right Mm -hmm. um because it just tends not to create being drunk tends not to cause panic attacks mm-hmm. what but what does cause panic attacks is being intensely hung over right mm-hmm. because okay. yeah yeah because you're you know you could be just like regret i mean look being hung over is is a is a horrible place to be anyway but if you're if you are have a personal tendency towards like introspection and towards um uh you know self-criticism and you maybe went out and you just like drank your head off or whatever. And then the next day you feel really bad. Like people are more prone to have panic attacks when they're, when they're hung over, you know, because you're more sensitive to everything. You're sensitive to being outside. You're sensitive to like, you know, even speaking to people and, mm-hmm. and you're, you're a lot more emotionally vulnerable. So what I think it is that uh, when people are hung over, they are, they, they're more raw they're and they're more in that state. They're more likely to have, a panic attack which can then trigger depersonalization mm-hmm. um but i don't in my experience at least it's not specifically alcohol that that causes it but it's but hangover intense intense okay. hangovers and panic attacks can do it okay and would you say that um so the dp comes not from the specific action that you've done but most people who have dp it's because they're 
having some sort of underlying panic attacks. But some people might not have the ones that we're explaining where we felt like we were going to die or, you know, your, your heart feels like it's coming out of your chest. Mm. Where some people have just kind of floated right into it. Yeah. Um, but that just means that they're, they're very, they're highly anxious, but maybe their body is, I guess, not, their body's reacting to it differently other than a panic attack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing to remember about this is that, is that like, um, in the grand scheme of, uh, of, of like anxiety-based conditions or like how the body reacts to anxiety, it's different for, for everyone. Now, like the, in, in depersonalization, the, the vast majority of people I speak to, it's generally been one traumatic event, like, or one, you know, um, uh, one like drug use that went bad or something like that. But I've spoken to many, many people as well who, um, as you say, they, if they have drifted into it. So it, it tends to be, they might be in a situation where they might be going through a divorce, um, or, uh, you know, recently I, I, I spoke to someone who had, um, they were they were uh, traveling on the other the other side of the world and they got sick um, and they they ended up in a in a hospital where like nobody spoke English and she was trying and th- this was nothing to do with anxiety it was it was a physical condition but uh, she ended up having to fly home afterwards and it was um, a, a combination of different things like the, the the stress of being on the other side of the world uh, uh, traveling then getting sick dealing with doctors. Then the jet, the jet lag, and the lo- uh, the lack of sleep from coming home, all mm. these things kind of built up to mm. her uh, because she couldn't pinpoint a moment of like a, a specific panic attack. But I said, "But look at the circumstances. You were under like tremendous stress, and yeah. and as and she, it just kind of came upon her, you know, um, mm. in the in the 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 phrase you use, she, floating into it d- does mm. happen to people as well for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So. So I guess, you know, I just wanted to get a little bit about um, your experience with it um, mm. as far as timing, because I get a lot of questions about timing all the time. Mm. Um, how long was yours? How long did yours last? Um, um, is it true that you can't really have it for more than 10 years? Like someone said they saw that somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Like people get a lot of stuff everywhere in these forums. So. Um, if you could talk to talk a little bit to the timing of it, um, if you can. Sure. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I mean, I had it. Um, so I got it in, I believe well, it was 2005. I believe it was around August of 2005. And I had it for roughly two years. But that includes the time that uh, I, I was recovering. So um, I had it. I had like quite intense chronic depersonalization f- like 24 seven for about a year and a half, I would say. And wow. then, the, and then the six months, uh, coming into the leading up to the, the, the two year, um, the two year point was, was my recovery, but that's, that, that's, that, that those are in quite, quite broad terms. Like, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, but the time I think I had like chronic intense DP would 24 seven would have been about, uh, about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of people, Go ahead. Go ahead. In terms of, I'm listening. I was just going to say, um, in terms of people having it like m- more than 10 years or, or not, like it's, uh, I don't, I don't think it works like that. Um, you know, it's the same thing as, you know, like obsessive compulsive disorder or like social anxiety disorder, or even something like claustrophobia or agoraphobia or agoraphobia even. Um, 
like it these things like tend to last as long as they are allowed to last or that they are not treated or addressed properly you know and i think a lot of people get into that get into a place where they think they're they're doing something about it. and i and i i made this mistake and you know big time because i thought this um this is one of the biggest mistakes pe- pe- people make with with any anxiety based condition um even though it's perfectly understandable is this they constantly research it and this is what this is what i i did i mean i was i would i was i would have broken records with the amount latoya i was on i was on forums no i know because i was doing the same thing (laughs) yeah yeah um i was on and this was like this was over 10 years ago you know Mm. uh, uh, um I was on every single uh, forum for depersonalization. I was like having like constant chats with people about it. I was uh, looking into all the different possible um, medical approaches to it, com- combinations of medicine, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it was one of the, the biggest breakthroughs that I had in terms of my recovery was that um, I found that like around, I, I guess around like kind of the, the, the year and a half point of my having it was that like, I was like, well, nothing I'm doing is, no, nothing I've tried is making this better, you know? So wh- what if I am actually making making it worse by the actions that I'm doing? Yeah. So be, because, I, because I did find that like, there were days where it was, it was better and days where it was worse, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that made me think, well, if it can be better or worse, then it's variable, right? So it's yeah. not so in the sense that like, okay, it's not like something like, I mean, you know, God forbid, like brain cancer or, so, or something like that where, okay, it's an organic brain disease that like you have to deal with symptoms all the time. Like this is something that responds to my behaviors and my environment and, uh, and what I'm doing every day, you know, and, and also how I think about it, right? So I, figure, so I figured, what if I change around what I'm doing every day and see if I respond to that. And one of the first things I tried was, I'm going to just stay away from the forums, you know. And every bone in my body was saying, go on the forums. And it's so hard. So um, tough. I think <laughs> so hard because I was always searching for a recovery story. Yeah. And searching for the, because re- I was always wanting to know, I want to know who the fuck came out of this podcast. <laughs> they come out of this shit because I'm I can't so I um would always be searching for that and then I would come across people who be like I knew I remember when I finally said I'm not gonna do this no more when I saw someone say that they was in it for 25 years I was like oh hell no <laughs> I, like, yeah. I need to get off of this shit right now and I never went on again yeah ever, ever went on again and if ever I did I knew where to search for the one particular recovery story that I found that kind of that I hold I held on to yeah um because the people in the forums will take you down, 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 down. So yeah, I totally, I totally relate to that. That's absolutely totally. right. I, I, I had, I had a folder in, uh, in my web browser that was linked to the specific recovery stories that I would just, mm. that I could just go to instead of mm. looking through the, yeah, because I remember, because the first time, so when the first time I found the term depersonalization was, was in a forum, I was looking through the, uh, the um the symptoms and i was like oh my god this is it like this is what i have and i was just overjoyed and i was thinking okay now what what do i do (laughs) and then the next one was like i i had this for 15 years and i was going (laughs) i was like i've had this for like like a a month 
I can't. Because then you're like panicking and you're in your room and you slam the laptop. It's too yeah. much. <laughs> it is too much. It's 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 too it's, much. It's, it's too much. Um, but like, and one of the, uh, yeah, so, like, so one of the things that like, uh, one of the best things you can do is stay away from the forums because, um, and even, and even the, 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 the positive story. So this is like, um, th this is a, it's a fascinating psych psychological phenomenon, but it's like, and the thing, the thing is as well, Latoya, is that like all of these things that we're discussing, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of like staying away from forums and like thinking about it in, in different ways, reframing it. Um, if you look at uh, like something like social anxiety disorder or um, claustrophobia or, you know, any, any like arachnophobia, anything, right? If you look at how like cognitive behavioral therapy addresses the, these types of things, um, any anxiety-based or, or thought-based condition, one of the first rules about it is don't research it, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, because of course, you know, because if you, like, if you're trying to get away from like, like, something like um uh like claustrophobia or something like that mm -hmm. then the worst thing you can do one of the worst things you can do is go on forums and say how is everyone feeling today you know i feel a seven out of ten i you know i you know i, I don't I, I went to the cinema last night i kind of had a minor you know this kind of this kind of stuff right mm -hmm. um but because depersonalization isn't as widely known as these things and uh and there isn't like specific like cognitive behavioral therapy um, programs that are like you know medically recognized and available for this um there is the constant kind of temptation to just go into the the, the forums and talk about them there's a fascinating psychological phenomenon um and it is the idea that the brain doesn't so the way your brain processes information is not in positives or negatives right mm -hmm. and there's a thing called the I, I think it's called the white bear phenomenon, right? So if I, if I, if I was to say to you, okay, Latoya, for the next 30 seconds, whatever you do, don't think about white bears. Go. Yeah. Right. Immediately. I immediately think about white bears. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So the brain does, so your brain doesn't hear the do not. It just, it, your, your, your conscious processes concepts, right? Mm -hmm. So not, not positives or negatives. So when you, when you go onto, or when we go onto uh, forums and look for only positive stories about depersonalization, your brain isn't processing it as a positive recovery story. Mm -hmm. All your brain is processing is depersonalization, depersonalization. Yeah. You have depersonalization. And even though you're looking at positive recovery stories, you're reminding yourself every time you do it of something that your brain wants to forget. You know, it, sure. wants, it wants to be done with this. So, uh, yeah, I found that like getting away from the forums, like within days, I was, I was feeling so much better mm -hmm. and that's, and, and that's when I thought, okay, this is dependent on how I think about it, how I react to the thoughts, how I, how, and if I research it, how, and if I speak about it, if I talk about it to people, um, and uh, when I realized that I was like, okay, th this is diminished by like 10% or 15% because I'm not researching anymore. If I can reduce this by 15%, I can reduce this by a hundred percent. I know I can. And that's, that's what happened. And that's what I help people to do, you know? Dope. So DP is nothing but, um, a, it's a symptom of anxiety, nothing sure. more, nothing less. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, that, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. So, because uh, a lot of people, they think I, I think people separate the two. Mm. Um, 
but in reading your book, I know you were saying like DP cannot be separated from anxiety. It's, it's one in the same. Mm. So a lot of people will be like, um, but I'm, com- I'm calm. You know what I mean? And you know, like I feel very calm. So yeah. how does one explain the still having the DP uh, sensations? Okay. Okay. So, so first of all, I, I should clarify this, um, in the strictest medical terms, DP can also happen as a result of like brain injuries and, 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 and and like organic brain conditions. Like, so in the strictest, strictest possible terms, then yeah, it can, it, it, it can, but, but it's still symptomatic of something else. Right. Mm -hmm. But in terms of what we're speaking about, like 100%, um, so the, uh, the whole phenomenon of people saying that they and I and I had this as well, um, uh, thinking my anxiety is gone, but I still feel depersonalized. Um, mm-hmm. So that is, it's like saying, uh, I'm recovered from the flu, but I'm still coughing all the time, and I just can't seem to shake it. So maybe yeah. the maybe the cough is is separate from the from the flu. Okay. Yeah. How. Um, the explanation for that is it's actually very simple, right? So let's say that um, before you uh, get, before we had like um, anxiety or DP, right? Let's say our, our normal day-to-day levels of anxiety were like maybe one or two out, out of 10, one or two, one and a half, right? And, and one and a half being like, I can't find my car keys or, you know, I'm going to be late for, you know, my job or whatever, right? Yeah. When you get hit by anxiety and depersonalization, um, it consumes your life. Like it consumes your brain, it consumes your, your, your thoughts because you think you're going nuts. You think you're living in a dream, et cetera, et cetera. So your levels of anxiety go up to 10. They're up there at nine or 10, like every day, all the time, right? Yes. That's when, when it starts. Now, and that could be for the first couple of weeks, the first month, maybe even the first couple of months, it, depending how long it takes you to find out like, what's happening, what it is, that there's, you know, an explanation for it and all the rest of it. When you start to recover, when you start to make progress with it, you start to understand what's causing it. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't disappear overnight. It never does. Right. And in the same way with like, like people don't get better from like social anxiety disorder overnight or obsessive compulsive disorder, anything overnight. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it slows down and it fades away over time. Um, because you're overwriting the habits of the anxiety condition with positive, um, with positive habits and positive constructive thoughts and you know positive ways to focus your thoughts. But what happens is in that so in that time, when you go from like let's say a ten, ten like nine or ten level of anxiety for like the, over the course of like let's say two months or something, and you start to make progress, and that dips down to like let's say five, right? You will have, you'll be at like at half the level of the anxiety that you had, right? But you're going to feel really good because you're not freaking out all the time because you can now leave the house again because you now don't think, okay, I'm going to be stuck with this for the rest of my life. And because you now feel like you're kind of a human being again, right? And, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's great, okay? Um. And you're seeing progress and it feels good. So let's say around maybe, maybe a four, four or a five. Um, people often make the mistake, and I, I made the exact same mistake myself, and I see it all the time, is that they think that they're recovered by then. 
and they think that I don't I don't feel anxious anymore, but I but I still feel depersonalized. Now, in comparison to locking yourself in a public bathroom and like and putting your head in your hands for fifteen minutes and waiting for the like in comparison to that, yes, mm-hmm. you are. You're absolutely like so much calmer objectively and you know scientifically you're so much calmer but compared to a person with a complete who's not in an anxious state who's who's never had like a panic attack in their lives who's at like a one one and a half looking for their car keys anxiety you're still like you're still anxious you're still Mm -hmm. two or two or three levels above above, uh, that person so you may feel that you that you're not anxious anymore but that's only relative to where you were at a catastrophic yeah. level of anxiety, yes. maybe a, a month or two ago, or even a couple of weeks ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, people often think, and again, I thought, I thought the exact same thing that I'm recovered. I, I don't feel any anxiety anymore, but I still, but I still feel DP. Um, you're not relative to somebody who is actually on a completely normal level of day to day, perfectly normal anxiety you're still two, like two or three notches above, above that person. But uh, you will get down there. You have to, but you have, you have to be patient, keep doing what you're doing and allow the, the depersonalization and the anxiety time, time to fade away. And also, yeah. one of, the, one of the, the, um, the most kind of like insidious things about like any anxiety-based condition um, uh, that everyone kind of like thinks about once, once they get out of it is that like... Uh, once you get down to like, if you like, let's say that you've got like 70% of it beaten, like mm-hmm. the, the, the 30% still feels like, God, that's how am I going to beat that? What if that stays around forever? Right. You know, I, you know, uh, and I think I'm there. That's where I'm at with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm there because you know, some days I won't, I can't say that I don't think about it every day still. Like I still have it as a thought every day, but I'm definitely at a place where I know I'm out of the worst of it. Mm. And due to your book, I was able to come out of it fairly quickly. Great, uh, great. Like, you know, it started in March 1st. And like, by July, I was on vacation with my friends. Wow, that's um, awesome. And, you know, having a good time. But then one of the friends that I vacationed with, she died suddenly as soon as we came back. Oh, that's so, so awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. So it kind of like sent me back into it. But knowing from reading your book and I listen to the, the medicine of relaxation and the pep talk all the time on repeat. Okay. I knew exactly what to do. So like I got myself to that 70%. Mm. Now I'm kind of in that. Now, how the hell do I, you know, tackle the existential thoughts all the time and yeah. you know, all of that. Cause that's what haunts me now is the existential thoughts and you know, that 30%. That's the yeah. rough part. <laughs> like yeah. that's the rough part. I know, I know. Yeah. And the thing is that, like this, and I, and I, and again, I know this from my own experience from speaking to like many, many people. Is that like that's gonna that's that's gonna continue? Is that like mm-hmm. once you get to twenty five percent, twenty percent, when you've got like five percent left, you'll still think, what if, what if I, what if I'm, I'm gonna have to stick? What if that five percent is going is going to stick around forever? Mm-hmm. But that's, but that's, but it doesn't matter. Because all like the thing is that like you don't need to worry about any of that. You just need to trust that your brain will forget about these things that it doesn't need. Like it doesn't need to feel this anxiety or the feelings of of, of depersonalization. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
what you're doing is training your brain to, to remember this, to, to understand this. It doesn't have to have this fire alarm switched on all the time, that there, yeah. is, no, that there is no danger there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. you trust that process and the, uh, the, the level will drop down to 30%, 20%, uh, 10%, and then, and then someday it'll, you'll just be like, I'm not checking in on myself anymore. That's yeah. really good. But the thing is as well that um, you, won't, you won't even notice that you haven't checked in on yourself because yeah. that's par- that's part of it. It's that you're just you'll just be too busy doing your podcast and doing your other wonderful things. Like yeah. you know, that's the that's that that that's kind of how it works. And also the the whole idea of um, thinking like, uh, well, I just have to deal with like the existential thoughts, like, or I just have to deal with this one last fear or something like that. So for me, for example, I was terrified of getting on a plane or going going abroad because i had i attended a a a family wedding abroad like a couple of like maybe one or two months into my initially getting i I remember this story i read that story of yours (laughs) yes yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it was it was it was absolutely (laughs) horrible you know Mm -hmm. but uh that was kind of i felt that like even though I'd i'd made like loads of recovery i felt that like I was worried that that experience was like so ingrained in my, in my, in my brain that like, well, even if I do get better from everything else, I'll still have to, like, I don't think I can get on a plane again. I don't even think I go to, I don't think I can even look at an airport from the outside again. That's, that's how, that's how awful it was, you know, but that fear or that thought that there, that there would be something that like was so traumatizing for me that I can never do it again like it's just it's just another part of this like it's just another thought it doesn't make any it doesn't make any more sense than like wondering what i'll what i'll have for breakfast tomorrow morning it's just it's it's just a thought you know um so the whole idea that like i that um there are parts of this thing that you have to deal with one by one um uh, it's it, it seems like it makes sense but in practical terms it it doesn't so like one of the one of the, the the most frightening things about like DP for me was like okay, I have to deal with all of these. So I was terrified of like my guitar, my dog, my yeah. sink. Um, I was terrified of getting into a car. I was terrified of sitting beside. So I was thinking, I have to logically deal with each one of these thoughts one by one, and then I have to deal with like the feelings of like being in a dream. Then I have mm-hmm. to deal with like I couldn't I couldn't sleep at night. Then I then I have to deal with I'm having nightmares about you. So I have to deal with like a hundred, a thousand things one by one. Right. And it's felt horrible and overwhelming. And that's, that's how it feels for most people at the beginning. You don't have to deal with all those things one by one. All you have to do is deal with the thing that's causing it. And that's the anxiety. And and once you do that effectively, everything else from the existential thoughts, all the individual fears to, to, to personal specific things like for me getting on a plane or, or going to an airport or whatever, mm-hmm. they, they, they stop because your brain knows that it's not a rational fear to be terrified of an airport. It, know, it knows that, but it needs it. The only reason is that it, it is that the, that the fire alarm is still of depersonalization of anxiety is still going on is because it thinks that there's some sort of danger associated to it. Right. So yeah. like, if you, if I, like, if I walked into an airport and there actually was a bear chasing me around the place, I'd actually be grand the next time I went to the airport because I'd be like, well, at least there was a reason for it. Yeah. 
But but because I had a panic attack the first time I went there, my brain associates it, associates it with some kind of nebulous, um, uh, ghostly kind of thing that's like that. Um, there's a gorgeous phrase in cognitive cognitive behavior therapy, and it says, um, "Anxiety is caused by the fear of anxiety," and the yeah. same and and the same thing goes for depersonalization, and the same thing goes for panic attacks. Um, if you can what you're training your brain to do is stop being afraid of this thing happening. And you do that by living your life as if it wasn't there at all. And that overrides the fears and the thoughts and, and the habits of, uh, of checking in on yourself and of going on forums and all that, that, that kind of thing. And it just pushes your normal life back onto, um, the, 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 um, the, the, the life of DP and, that is the single most effective way of turning off the fire alarm in your brain and just, and letting your brain is because again, your brain wants to forget about this. It doesn't want to, to have this stress. Your body doesn't want to be, um, you know, in fight or flight mode all the time, right. but, but you have to create through, you have to create the environmental circumstances uh, to allow your brain to forget about it, which is uh, not, not going on forums, not reading about it, um, not, not discussing it to, 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 to the best of your ability. Um, so you get rid of all references to it in your, in your environment and you have to create the mental environment in which it's allowed to forget about it. And that involves um, staying focused on things all the time, except like if the thoughts are there, that's fine. They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to turn into anything worse and, and you're not going to go crazy or anything. Right. But, what it, but instead of, so if you have a, a frightening or a thought of depersonalization or existential fear or whatever, mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of going with that thought or, or God forbid, researching it, what you do is you put on, put on your headphones and you listen to a podcast, you get mm-hmm. your guitar and you start writing a song, you start learning a new language, you call a friend, you go and, do, you, go and you do something and your brain learns that. Uh, that is how it should respond to, to, to frightening thoughts instead of going with them on some sort of, um, you know, t- 10 minutes yeah. thought, thought pattern that will only get you nowhere, you know? Yeah, it's a downward spiral. Yeah. So, um, so going into, so speaking of that, um, what are some of your, um, what are some of your tips or pointers for recovery? Um, <clears throat> so I guess the, the the most important thing is that you do have to be you have to be consistent with it right so like from for me um uh i i found that like even if i was like 90 percent of the time staying away from forums and things like that even if i did like even if i was doing a 10 percent of what i used to do it was still damaging you know, and it was, mm-hmm. it would still just like set me back like to a, to a great degree. Um, what I, some of the things I did, for example, would have, would have been, um, well, this was 10 years ago now, but I bought, I, I remember I bought a Nintendo DS, like a little portable mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And I just had like Mario Kart on it. And anytime I was on a bus, anytime I was like, you know, in a waiting room or, or whatever, I wouldn't sit there and just let my thoughts, you know, do, do what they, they do what the thoughts of any person with an anxiety condition would do, which is just catastrophize. Mm -hmm. So immediately I, I I would get out the Nintendo. I would just start playing 
a Tetris or Mario Kart or something. And uh, it, it may not have like completely calmed me down, but it created the uh, um, a call and response thing. So when, when the, these thoughts would like start, my response immediately would be like, well, I'm playing Mario Kart. I know, I know what you guys are doing. I'm playing Mario Kart, right? Yeah. What I'm going to do is this over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, and, uh, and not one of the other uh, big, big things that, that was like fundamental to my recovery. And I always try to, to impress this upon, um, upon people when I'm speaking, when I'm speaking to them about it is that you cannot let, the anxiety make any decisions for you right so if you for example like i i was terrified of going i'm a filmmaker now right? i was terrified of going to the cinema when i had when i had anxiety and dp oh, and uh yeah it was it, it was it was horrible but um one of the things is that one of the strict rules i i i implemented for myself was that like um i if someone said like let's go to the cinema my first thought would be I'm not doing that because I'm terrified of going to cinema and what I, and I would force myself to do these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and any, any cognitive behavioral therapist will tell you this as well, like, or, or anyone who, de- who deals with like anxiety or post-traumatic stre- traumatic stress or anything like that is that like, um, when you are presented with the option of doing something or not doing something, if you go to, if you go and do that thing, like go to the cinema or whatever, and, you have a really, really tough time and you feel a lot of anxiety. You feel quite depersonalized or whatever. Um, that is infinitely better, infinitely better than if you had stayed home and avoided it and you felt completely calm and secure and happy, right? Because when you do that, when you do the latter, you are setting up a situation in your mind where you're saying you're reinforcing the idea that you can't do that thing, that there are things that you can't do because you are a person with anxiety or depersonalization, right? Um, when you push through those things, like I did, for example, with like going traveling abroad or whatever, I just, I forced myself to like get on a plane and I forced myself to go. And the first, like I went away, I would just be like, go like stay at a friend's house for, you know, a weekend or whatever. And, uh, the first few times I did, the first two or three times I did, I was like, this is just too difficult. I don't think I can do this. Like, you know, but somewhere in my mind, it registered with me that like, I did it. I got home. I didn't die. I didn't hurt myself. I didn't go crazy. Um, and, and also, I don't think anyone even noticed there was anything wrong. I, yeah. I, think, I think I seemed fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, the time after that, I was like, this is actually okay. And the time after that, I was like, I'm fine. I'm yeah. completely fine because my, my brain doesn't associate danger with this anymore. And right. since then, since then I've, I've traveled all, all over Southeast Asia. I spent six months in India, like uh, the, the year before last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I love traveling. Um, and, and, that, and during my time with DP, that is something I genuinely thought I, I would never do again. I, genu- I, Toya, I genuinely thought I would never get on a plane again in my life. I was that scared of it. Wow. But, but you have to, I, you have to have a rule of not avoiding anything because it might cause you anxiety or stress. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, within reason. And I would have to say your yeah, within reason. <laughs> yeah, you know. What? And I would have to say your pep talks and I relate because as far when when you speak about traveling, I was I remember I was going to see my best friend in D.C. in the bus ride. I was very scared about mm. being on the bus ride for so long and not being able to get up. I listened to that relaxation thing on repeat, like the <laughs> entire the entire time, and I and it was two trips, and then now I can be on the bus with nothing and listen. And I don't, I mean, I don't have to listen to anything. I can just stare off out in the window and it doesn't scare me. So I used to, for some reason, look up at the sky and the sky used to scare me. Weird shit. And I would, myself, my own self would scare me because I'd be like, what is this body? Like, yeah. where, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who am I? Like, it's so strange. Yeah. So yes, that, um, yeah, pushing past the fear, I, I definitely um, resonate with a lot, a that's, lot, a lot. Yeah, so, um. Can you explain or give us, um, cause you do give a great diagram in the book. Can you speak to that and how it's kind of, some people don't understand the whole, yeah, one day you could be fine and then day 10 you can be horrible and then day 15 you might be, you know, back down to maybe a level two or whatever, but that's just how the recovery process works. Mm, yeah. How long is one's recovery process of the up and down? So, as with with any um, with all recovery from any hab any um, any condition that's based on anxiety or any condition that's based on habits of thought, um, how the recovery works is it's never ever uh, um, a smooth curve, right? It's never like I feel. 90% better one day, 85% better the next day, 88%, you know, it's, it's never, ever like that. Right. And it's just, it's, it's, look, it's, it's just how, it's just how the, the, the brain works, but mm-hmm. um, it can be frustrating. And the reason it can be frustrating is that when people do start to recover, which they always do is that um, they, they'll start to see results. Right. And they will start to see that there's, you know, the, the flywheel gets up a bit of bit of motion and they, and they start to, um, they start to be able to like go to like, you know, like, like for, for me, it was like going back to the cinema or things like that or whatever. Right. Um, so they'll start to have like maybe four or five good days in a row and they'll be like, okay, this is great. I, I've started yeah. to get my, my life back. And it's, <laughs> it's really, really like, it's exciting. It's exciting. Right. And it's a, and it's a joyous feeling and it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Right. And then, but then what happens is because of the nature of um, uh, of reco- recovery from any condition like this is you hit a bad day or you, yeah. hit, or, or you hit a couple of bad days, right? Um, uh, and when you hit th- those bad days, they can be absolutely horrible mm-hmm. because it feels like it feels like you're back to square one and it feels mm-hmm. like you were teased with a couple of good days or a good week or whatever, but it wasn't actually gone and you're you still have this condition and you're, and you feel like oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have it for life. I'm stuck with this or, it's, yeah. or, or I'm just going to, I'll, I'll never really get better because I, I might feel like I'll get better for like a couple of months or whatever. But at any point I could have like an absolutely terrible day and this is what I'm stuck with. Right. So, but again, it's just, that's just like ca- catastrophic thinking. It's catastrophizing. Uh, how, how it works is, as I was saying, it's, it's not a smooth curve. It's like, it's like a mountain range. So it's like up and down and up and down. And up. It's like, it's constant little p- peaks and troughs. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
it's so important to, and I, I always say this to, to people who are at that stage of recovery, is that it's, um, it's so important not to think about your recovery in terms of like five good days, one bad day, or like, uh, or two, two good weeks, one bad week, or, or, or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. You have to look at it from with a wide angle lens, right? To use a filmmaking term, you have to you have to look at it. You have to look at it from a drone, right? Mm-hmm. Which is to say, like, like, let's say three months ago or whatever, I was having full on um, meltdown, panic attacks, right? Mm-hmm. And now I'm living my life, you know, seventy percent of, of of what it was, and and things are things are back on track, right? Yeah, I have a good and and if I have a good day or a bad day in that in that sense, um, like for example if someone is like 80% recovered and they're feeling really good and then they have like a, a really bad day that can feel like it's that they've just fallen off a cliff. Like, and they go, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm back to square one or whatever mm-hmm. in objective practical terms, that one bad day, right. Could they, they are probably still able to do the things that they need to do. You know, they're probably, they're probably still able to do a bit of socialite They're you know, they're cook, cook for themselves, go out if they need to go out, do whatever. Right that one day in comparison to to a ba- to that one bad day in comparison to like a bad day 3 months ago are, would be completely different because a bad day 3 months ago when you first had dp and anxiety was you could not get out of bed you know and i've been there i've 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 done that like but it's important to keep the perspective between what was a bad day when you first got it and a bad day when you're 80% recovered because they're very, very different. Right. Mm -hmm. And the technique that I always say, I always, always say to people, which is that it's it's the best way to, to approach that because it's going to happen. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have good weeks and bad weeks. The best approach is that, uh, you just, um, assiduously stick to your routine daily. Right. And here, and here, here's the trick. When you start to have good days, don't get overly excited. You could be happy about it. That's fine. Don't, don't pat yourself on the back. Don't, 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 this is it. Don't celebrate it. Right. Yeah. Don't go out and have a drink. Don't go- I, did. I did that. Right, right. I went out and had a drink like, oh, she's back. Let's wait back. And then it was like downhill. Like, no girl, you're not. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Beautiful. But even, but even aside from celebrating in like in in social terms, like don't have a little kind of a mental thing where you kind of say like, oh, you know, this is, you know, I'm on the right, you know, just that's the fact that you're having a good day is fine. But your job is to stick to your routine. You stick to your date. You you uh, you know, there's a bunch of rules in the book. You follow the rules in the book. You don't. You do not. Um, uh, go researching. You don't give yourself a break in terms of the things you have to do to, to recover, right? You just, if you, you start to have good days, that's great. You keep doing what you're doing and you stick to the rules, right? Mm-hmm. When you have a bad day or a couple of bad days or a bad week, you respond in the exact same way. You have a bad day, you don't get, you, you can get frustrated, right? What yeah. you don't do is you don't get angry, you don't get disappointed. You don't, you don't start like giving yourself hell because you know, I'm, I'm stuck back in this again, right? Again, your job is to stick to the routine that you have and you, uh, um, stay, be, be, 
as I was saying earlier, you don't avoid anything because you feel anxiety. You just do the exact same thing, right? So, and this is tying into what I was saying earlier about like, you know, your, your brain understand, it, it only understands concepts. It doesn't understand positive, po- positive or negative or negatives, right? Mm-hmm. One of the most powerful things you can do to overwrite depersonalization and get rid of it completely um, is, is doing that. Is, st- is sticking to uh, at the same routine every day, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, because that is the most that is the most powerful way to tell your brain that it doesn't need to have this anxiety yeah. or DP anymore. Because wh- whether 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 it's there or it's not there, you're you're doing the exact same things. That is, and that's the most powerful way to tell to to tell you to instruct your. You have to you have to talk to your brain. You have to. T- you have to discipline your brain like it's like it's a child, mm-hmm. right? Your child doesn't understand like kind of yes or no. It just it just it it understands what it sees, like you know what it take it takes its lead from what you do, right? You you have to um, stick to stick to the same routine whether whether it's a, a good day or a bad day, and that and that's that will make your brain realize that like wow it doesn't it doesn't really matter. If, if the anxiety is here or not, we're going to be doing the same thing anyway. So, you know, just out of almost out of like mental natural selection, it'll just say, well, we don't need this anymore. Yeah. yeah. We don't need this because there's no, the, there's no danger around. And even if there were danger around, we're still doing the same things. We're still getting up in the morning. We're still going to the gym. Yeah. We're still making our podcast. We're still going out, meeting our friends, anxiety or without anxiety. And that's, right the most powerful way to tell your brain that it doesn't have to have anxiety or DP anymore. Right. So you would say that you're a hundred percent recovered. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for, I've been so for quite some time. Okay. And do you think, uh, how, do you have triggers still? Would you say that after you come out of it, you will still have to deal with triggers and learn how to be able to cope if anything happens or arises? Um, not really. I mean, I have been, I have been in, you know, I mean, it's been it's been ten years since I recovered. Right. So I mean, I I have been in a, in a couple of situations where I was, you know, I felt, excuse me, I felt like very very stressed or very, um, yeah, very or like extremely anxious or whatever. And mm-hmm. I would and some and sometimes you I would have like very like temporary feelings of 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 DP. Mm-hmm. But 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 the thing is that once you recover from it, yeah, like part of recovery is understanding what it is. Yeah. Right. So when, and when you understand that it's like, it's like, this is, it's perfectly natural, right? Mm-hmm. Like most, like scientifically speaking, most people will experience this at some point in their life because you, most people experience trauma and intense stress and anxiety at some point in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you recognize it for what it is, you don't go into the panicky place of thinking this, what, what is this weird thing? I must be going crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I need to, you know, so instead, instead if, and if this has happened maybe like a, a handful of times in the last 10 years, like, but anytime if I am in a really intensely like stressful situation or whatever, and the, and the feelings kind of do come back, it's for me, it's the same thing as like, you know, heart palpitations. It's just mm-hmm. like, Oh, this is, I know what this is. This is my body and my brain's natural response to, mm-hmm. to stress and anxiety. And I, and I need to do things to, to to as you're saying to get the lavender house or yeah. or do or do or do whatever but mm-hmm. but what I don't do is is go to a place where I think 
what is this feeling? I must yeah. be going crazy or I need to go to a hospital or whatever. It's just like, okay, this is, this is the same thing as, as muscle tension or as like sweating palms or heart palpitations or racing thoughts. Yeah. It's just my body's response to anxiety. Um, I'm going to, ex- I'm, 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 I'm a grown man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to experience intense anxiety at some points in my life. And, but once I recognize these things for what they are, they just they, they just fade away and disappear as they, which is which is what they're supposed to do they're supposed right. to protect you when they when they think you're in danger and when you're out of that danger they're supposed to fade away naturally and they right. do and they 100% do if they're allowed to right yeah. and people have to be able to you have to be willing to do the work to recover is what i what i realized like i can't just sit here and be lazy and it's just not going to go away that way. <laughs> like, it's just not going to go away that way. Yeah. Um, so after coming out of it and being 100%, um, and we got a few more minutes, after coming out of it and being 100% recovered, um, did you find that there was like a connection between, like a spiritual connection between DP? Or did you find any that you had any kind of spiritual growth um, after coming out of it? What did you have? In it? Did you have any kind of experiences with that? Um. I did. I certainly had growth out of it. In this, it was yeah. it was uh, it was a very humbling experience to have uh, to have you know. So prior prior to getting anxiety and DP, like I had had like nothing, nothing like that had ever happened before in my life. I was very very healthy, like mentally, physically, and then this just like hit me out of the blue, and it just like took almost two years of my life. Like you know, it. it, it kind of ruined everything for a while so in, ter- in, in terms of that it gave me uh, a lot of perspective on on just how um how random it can be and how um uh how destructive it can be i guess but um but it also gave me a lot of empathy for people who who do develop um uh, a- any sort of me- mental condition and um it uh yeah, so it, it gave me great, like a great and an excellent, healthy perspective in that sense. In terms of spirituality, um, I would say not, no. and I, and the and the the reason I say that is because I think that there's um, there's often uh, a temptation, and I did this too, to uh, to try and connect the feelings of depersonalization to some sort of like spiritual awakening or something. Yes, like. this is what right. I needed. Like, this is why I need to have that. That's why it was a question for me. Okay. Because I just need to know. Yeah, so go ahead. I'm listening. I want to know. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. So, so what happens, uh, what happens a lot, a, a lot of people is that like, so, he, so here's the thing, right? When DP happens to people, it, uh, they often feel the need because it's such a huge thing. And it's so, again, it's so all consuming. It takes over your whole life. Um, it can often feel like uh, that to just explain it by saying it happened because of a panic attack or it happened because of a bad experience on weed. It feels like that can be too, it can be too simple, right? Yeah. How, how, how could one bad experience on weed have caused me to like lose a year and a half or two, almost two years of my life. Right. It can't be that simple. Right. So then, so there's a temptation to, to say, okay, well, you know, I'm, I've had some sort of spiritual awakening or, um, or maybe it's because of some 
uh, some past trauma that I haven't unlocked, even though I had like very happy childhood, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. it, fe- but it feels like p- there's a, there's a tendency to want to, to, to narrativize it, to find, to find a story in it that will, that will make sense in a, in a kind of a, in a, in a guess a classical kind of storytelling sense. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the fact is that in the vast, vast majority of cases, like it is that simple. It is, it, it is just one panic attack or it's one traumatic event or something that, that's, or as you say, a, a, a confluence of circumstances that causes someone to just float into like a really bad anxious state and just develop DP. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is actually a lot more healthy and positive to think of it in those terms. And that's very much uh, a forward thinking kind of cognitive behavioral therapy approach to it is that like, you don't need to think of this as some sort of big spiritual thing, right? Because even, and even doing that, it gives it a credence and a weight that it doesn't deserve, right? It's just, it's just an alarm going off. Like that's all it is. Um, And, and I did that and 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 I did the thing where like, okay, well, I mean, this must be, and I think I think people read like I mean, you know, people read about like you know like Eckhart Tolle like and mm-hmm. or people like that who've you know they're or like the Buddha or you mm-hmm. know people who have had like awakenings. They think, well, what if I've had some sort of kind of like reverse awakening where instead of being enlightened, I'm just like terrified all the time. Yes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or the, or or they might kind of tie it to some sort of religious connotation based on their own faith or or, or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I completely understand why, why people do that. And I, and I 100% did it myself, but um, based on my experience and the experience I've had of speaking to thousands of people who've had this and, re- and recovered, it has nothing to do with spirituality. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with religion in the same way that like a panic attack has nothing to do with religion or spirituality. Mm-hmm. Right. And, all, and this is just a result of panic attacks, traumas, stress, anxiety. That's, that, that, that's all it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, while it may be tempting to 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 want to bring a larger spiritual narrative to to this, because it 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 helps to make I guess a kind of a sense of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the in the broadest possible, pra- most practical possible terms. It's not helpful. The, the, okay. the, like your bra- again, your brain wants to get rid of this. It wants to forget about this. It doesn't want to have this around. Mm-hmm. And and if you bring some sort of spiritual story to um, a spiritual narrative to this, while it might offer a, a sense of comfort and meaning to it, it's uh, it's also bringing uh, a weight and giving it a credence that it should not have. It yeah. should not have because it it sh- this should fade. Like if this were an an enlightenment, um, uh, or some sort of spiritual intervention thing, um over 50% of adults in the U S are having enlightenment and spiritual in- intervention. Right? <laughs> and that's, but, sure. but, but for them, it passes in a couple of seconds or minutes because, mm-hmm. because it fades away naturally in the same way that heart, heart again, heart palpitations and things and other things like that right. do. Right. Yeah. It, it's not, it's look, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not that in, in, in my experience and my experience of speaking to thousands of people over the years have had this, uh, it is simply not a spiritual experience and it's, and it does not respond practically to the application of a spiritual narrative. And it, and yeah. that, and, and not only that, but giving it that kind of weight and credence will only make it last longer 
when it's designed to fade away. Yeah, I, I thank you for that because I just, you know, some people be like, you know, I just think I'm dead. And I just, mm. I just be like, yeah, you're not dead. I thought that too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, maybe I died, you know, like. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I died. Did I tell you? Know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think about the stuff you, you thought about. Like, that's why I can laugh about it now. But I know there's people in it right now that cannot laugh about it. So I totally get it. But yeah, you know, that, that, just that, I think will help a lot of people because we immediately go to this, oh my gosh, this is some kind of philosophical, spiritual, crazy shit that's going on. And, you know, yes. or purgatory or what have you. Yeah. Um, and just to break it down to it being just as simple as anxiety, it's just like, so relief it's just a relief it is it is for sure i mean and i and i i had i mean i was i had a a, a brief period uh, a couple of months in where i was uh, and this was one of dozens of theories i came up with but one of them was that i was in purgatory really uh, yeah oh yeah oh yeah i and 100 thought this must be what's happening right so i thought i'm in purgatory i've i've i died i i, mu- I must have died in a car crash or something that i can't remember mm-hmm. and, now, and now i'm in some sort of like limbo state between like here and the afterlife or or, or whatever and um at the time it felt it's just like so all of these things, like at one point I thought I was going to, I was going to literally disappear off the face of the earth. I thought it was just, I was going to wink, wink out of existence. I actually made a short film about that, like subsequently just to, just to kind of give, give context for like, you know, how you can make sense of these things retrospectively as well. Right. Is that like, these are just, it's just all, all of these like interpretations are, it's just your logical mind trying to make sense of what is a bizarre physical and mental experience right yeah. it's 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 bizarre because like your your brain's trying to protect you from what it perceives to be danger and you feel like you're in a dream or you feel like you know my hands aren't mine or i'm in ex- wild existential thoughts etc and then your logical brain is is saying like okay what the hell is going on right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there there has to be an explanation for it and this goes back to what we were just saying about the whole spirituality thing there has to be a spiritual explanation for it or there has to be an explanation for it that like I must have died or there has to be an explanation for it that like I'm about to disappear off the face of the earth. Right. Mm -hmm. In retrospect, obviously all of those interpretations are absolutely wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. They're they're, (laughs) they're, dead wrong. (laughs) They're straight, they're they're straight up wrong. Okay. And I think, and, um, and I do think it's actually healthy to, to, you know, to, to have the chat we're having now and just to, to kind of laugh about it as well, because mm-hmm. it is, and I, I, I don't mean to min- minimize the experience of people who, who, who are going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in a, but in a way it does need to be minimized it do, yeah. it, because, because it, do, it doesn't deserve to be thought about in terms of, of purgatory or spirituality or anything like that. Like, and it, it, it and in a way, bringing like a kind of uh uh like levity or humor to it Mm -hmm. you know it 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 grounds it it grounds it and it takes and it kind of disempowers it and it just says like look this is a temporary thing it's just like your your brain is trying to make sense of a a bizarre experience but like once you're out of this and this is this is a consistent experience for people who when, when when they recover they can't understand what they were worried about Mm-hmm. they can't and like because i mean like i could i had i had a fear of sinks because i i i heard the word helsinki on the radio and i became convinced that i couldn't 
go near a sink in a bathroom because I, I go to hell through this. You know, this kind oh, of oh yeah, it's so it, crazy. It, these <laughs> so kind crazy. of abs- absolutely crazy, crazy thoughts. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, like I can't even, I can't even fathom like what I what I was afraid of. But the thing is that like the thought itself has no, it has no weight, right? It has no, it, there's no weight to that. There's no weight to, but in, I, I always, I always think of it in, in these, in these terms, um, like me thinking like, uh, I, I have to stay away from sinks because of Helsinki yeah. has the exact same weight as a thought as me thinking, what will I have for breakfast tomorrow morning? I think I'll have cornflakes, right? The, the thought, the thought has the exact same weight, right? Uh, the thought about, so for, for a non-anxious person, they could have both of those thoughts and they'll pay the same amount of attention to them because they're just thoughts and they fade away and we have like thousands of thoughts a day, right? Yeah. For the person whose body and brain is in an anxious state, um, the thought of Helsinki is terrifying because it's just, you're just, it's just your anxious brain making sense of a, of a, of a, of a nonsense thought. Yeah. And, e- and even thought of like, what do I have for breakfast tomorrow morning? I could have had a panic attack based on that back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. because I just, you know, what, what if I don't get up tomorrow morning? What if I die in my sleep? What yeah. if I this? What if yeah. I that? Yeah. Yeah. The, th- the thoughts themselves carry no weight. It's how your, it's how the anxious brain interprets the thoughts that give, that gives them weight. And all you need to do is turn off the anxiety. Your brain will interpret the thoughts healthily. It will interpret um, all the, the symptoms will disappear um, and you will completely get back to normal. And that's why people, once they recover, they go, I don't, I can't even remember what I was worried about because they're in a non-anxious state. And, yeah. uh, and there's a thing called uh, state-specific anxiety. I think I, or, or sorry, yeah, sorry, excuse me, state, state-specific memory, I, I beg your pardon. And it's, and it's this idea that um, once you're in a state of like happiness or like depression or whatever, that it's very difficult. It's a psychological phenomenon. It's, it's very difficult to, to, to remember what it was like to be outside of that. Mm-hmm. So when, so when you feel really happy, you think I'm going to be happy forever. Like, you know, yeah. or when you're like, you could be a week into like, you know, a, 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 a bout of depression and you think, was I ever really happy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's this, but it's, it's one of the beauties of, of recovering from any condition like this though, is that like, when you are recovered from it, it's complete recovery. There's no strings attached. It's not like I, 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 oh, I'll recover, but I still have to deal with like, you know, a couple of moments of depersonalization every day or a couple of, I still have to deal with some existential thoughts. It's not like that. Once you're out of the state of anxiety, you are out of the state of anxiety and you're out of it. And you're out of it so completely that your mind can't even, it can't even uh, grasp retrospectively what you were worried about because your, your, your whole body and brain are in a different state and they're interpreting, they're interpreting the thoughts differently in calmly and healthily, which is what your body and brain are designed to do. And they want to get back to. It definitely does. And it will, that's the whole thing. And that it definitely will. Well, I just got to say that you have definitely helped me. I'm telling you, I feel like I was one of the speed people. Like I got the book, I bought the book and I listened to this stuff and I read that book in like maybe an hour less than probably that. Like on a train ride home. Yeah. And I was like, 
gung-ho to like I was like I'm not staying in this like there's no way mm. I could stay in this you know because I was just constantly fearing death anytime I passed a funeral home I, my heart would start racing and then I'd be like why did I see the funeral home is this trying to tell me I'm gonna die today like it was <laughs> I know I know you know <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh so you know I thank you like true I'm like overly 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 thankful for finding i don't even know how i found you um <laughs> but i'm just so thankful that i found your website so um i hope that it helps other people whoever's listening and you know a lot of people have been reaching out to me and i don't be having answers so that's why mm. i felt like it would be great to try to reach out to you and i'm so happy that you said yes oh it's my pleasure um, and, and, I'm, and i'm delighted that the, that the book was so helpful for you as well it was it really was and like it's still my go-to like if i'm feeling rough or then something something's not going right i'll put on the relaxation yeah. um meditation or um sometimes um if i really feel some dp happening i'll listen to the pep talk okay. all the time yeah that's, so that's it great really, that's great really did a good job with it i think it's 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 all you really need to get out of it like i don't i don't i don't see anything else on on the websites anywhere where any i don't see anybody else helping in that manner so yeah. like i feel like you really touched on it in a way that's understandable it's easy for people who are going through dp, DP to read it and listen to it because you know you can't even focus nine times out of ten with it yeah so that's right it was just completely easy for me so i think that you are you that was you're a blessing you are definitely a blessing thank you um Appreciate you're that. welcome so what's the website if you want to share that with everybody where where they can get it from i will put i'll put that information in the description box too um thank so. you yeah the web, the website is uh it's very simple it's a uh, dpmanual.com mm -hmm. um and or just uh, google search for the depersonalization manual and uh and you'll get it easily enough Okay. Um, yeah. And then um, you said you do coaching, you do DP, you do coaching for people who have DP? I do indeed. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I, I haven't started advertising on the, on the website yet, but um, I, uh, I just, I developed like a few different uh, clients over the last few months uh, mm -hmm. and just people who, who I just do, I just do hour long sessions with people and mm -hmm. I um, just like speak to them about their experiences so far and mm -hmm. uh um, answer any questions they have and then we kind of like make a plan together of like what's the best way to approach the next next couple of weeks or months or whatever and um, and people have found us um, extremely helpful so yeah that's uh, um, something I've been doing recently. Okay and so they can't anybody who's listening and interested in that how they get in contact with you for that? Uh, I will be putting it up. I'll, I'll have it up on my website in the next uh, two or three weeks. I'll, oh. I, I need, to, I, I, yeah, because at the moment it's be kind of a word of mouth thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I will actually uh, do a proper page and a proper uh, kind of booking system for it in the next couple of weeks. So if people okay. check in on my website in two or three weeks' time, uh, it'll be there. Dope. And then also, you mentioned Facebook group. So what's the Facebook group? Uh, if you just uh, just type in depersonalization manual into Facebook, and uh, the, uh, the, the there's a page there where I post like all any new articles or uh, things, to, any uh, positive stories to do mm -hmm. with depersonalization <laughs> that, I, that, that, that I find online. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, I, 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 I also strongly feel that, I mean, even though I, I know that my book is only, it's one of the only sources for kind of like a course for dealing with it at, at the moment online. But um, I, I, I do think that the medical community is becoming more aware of it. Like, and uh, I think as well, like one of the, one of the effects of like the legalization of, of weed in, in, in the States and mm -hmm. Canada is that um, uh, because I just think through the, the sheer amount of people who will get this condition, like just, uh, you know, like 
temporarily Mm -hmm. from 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 smoking weed that like it will have to be recognized more in the media and uh, in the medical community and so hopefully in the next couple of years um uh we'll be at a place where like a a a kid a kid will walk into a a doctor's office and describe the symptoms and straight away the doctor will be like that this is what this is you're okay you're safe you don't need to worry about it and mm-hmm. yeah so i i think that you know getting the word out because it is it's crazy that you're talking to the doctors and they be like one lady was like i think you need to be checking to see if you may, you might have schizophrenia and then i want to fight her because i was like what oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. yeah yes Yes. And I'm like, see, I was like, that's not what you should say, miss. I kind of know what it is, but I really wanted to make sure that I didn't have a brain tumor or whatever, but oh. I didn't, you know, it was, it was insane. So yeah. 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 No, I, I could myself something like that from hearing something like that, you know? With, with it, th- and this is the thing. I mean, I could, I, 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 I won't get into it now, but I mean, I could, I, I, I mean, the, the, the stories I've heard from people over the years of things that doctors have said to them of what, of, of, when they came in with, with obviously, obviously mm-hmm. symptoms of depression and not even symptoms of depersonation, but just like symptoms of anxiety and the things that the doctors have, have like thrown at them have been, I mean, they, they would, yeah. they, they would, they'd knock your socks off. They're, they're re- and, and like, and, I, and I'm t- like, and it's just like the, the last thing you need to hear at a time when you have something like anxiety and depersonization and you're vulnerable and you feel like, I don't know what to do. And then a doctor says something like, um, well, you might have, you know, schizophrenia or yeah. I, I think you're, ha- I think you're having a psychotic break and yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's terrifying. It's it genuinely is. terrifying. This conversation was great. Yeah. I'm so happy um, that you said yes. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation and that it helped you like it has helped me. Um, DPDR is an awful, awful, awful condition, but I want you guys to know that recovery is possible for you, for you is possible for anybody um, because it was possible for me. So, you know, I always leave you guys with affirmations to get through the rest of the week. And in good fashion, we are going to do affirmations that have to do with DPDR. Um, It's also good for people who suffer with anxiety overall, being that DP is a symptom of anxiety. So here we go. I am not going crazy or losing my mind. I am simply stressed. I am not going crazy or losing my mind. I am simply stressed. This sensations will pass. This sensation will pass. I am strong enough to handle whatever comes my way. I am strong enough to handle whatever comes my way. I am grounded and present in my body. I am grounded and present in my body. I love who I am and I deserve to feel my very best. I love who I am and I deserve to feel my very best. I give myself permission to relax. I give myself permission to relax. So guys, I hope that you give yourself permission to relax. I hope that you're not beating yourself up for feeling so bad if you are in the middle of DPDR episode. And please, please, please always remember, always remember that you will recover just like I did. I ain't going to hold y'all and I ain't going to let y'all hold me. Bye.